0: I always appreciate our time of sharing together. I think it's a wonderful thing for us as the body of Christ to be able to share the things that we're dealing with, our prayer needs, and also just coming together in worship. It's so encouraging for us uh, to be here today, and every, every time the church gathers, it's just a real encouragement for us. This morning, uh, my message is a call to holiness. I was thinking about this, the fact that, uh, I don't know, this, th- these things kind of affect you sometimes, that people are, a lot of people are missing this morning, so I think about maybe there's a there's a law, one of Murphy's laws that, uh, for preachers, that when you prepare a message that you think, boy, everybody needs to hear this, and that's a Sunday that a lot of people are gone, so <laughs> <laughs> I should have learned that years ago, I guess, but. But you're here, so uh, thank you for being here today. I invite you in your Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to be especially focusing on verses 13 through 16. But to get the context, I'd, I'd like to read starting with verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'll be reading through verse 16. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And now here's what I want to focus on this morning. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. As I look at these uh, verses about holiness, I, I believe that there's, in our context, in thinking of Christian America, so-called Christian America, uh, there's probably no text that needs to be burned into our thinking uh, more than this one. This is written, as, as we were looking down, reading down through here, you can see that this was written... Uh, to believers who were in a pagan society. And we can identify with that in our society. Um, This is a call to holiness in the light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in light of the holy character of God. Verse 13 uh, starts out with the word, therefore. So the first 12 verses we just read that you saw that just packed full of of themes like being chosen. We are chosen of God. We have been given a new birth. We have been given a living hope. We have been given an eternal inheritance. And we have an inexpressible and glorious joy. And there's just so much here that we could look at. And all of this is through faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God without blemish. Verse one, uh, Peter refers to Christians. You notice there as strangers, God's elect, strangers. Do you ever feel like a stranger uh, in the world? And they are scattered throughout that whole region. Christians are scattered throughout the world. Chosen by God through the sanctifying. That's a that's an important word, sanctification. We are being sanctified. Uh, by the Holy Spirit through the work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. So he's setting the stage here for what I want to look at now as uh, a call upon us as believers and that is an important call that is a call to holiness. We are called to holiness. And this call to holiness is not just for a select few people uh, like the Pope uh, some, likes to be referred to as his holiness, right? Or Dalai Lama, his holiness. People like that. Uh, no, that, that call is for every one of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. We are called to holiness. And I think that we should probably all agree this morning that holiness uh, is largely lacking in uh, professing Christians in the United States. Uh, I don't think I'll get an argument with that. If you look at some of the statistics of of uh, moral failure and of those kind of things, people shacking up and all of that, there's there's a lot. And these are a lot of these are professing Christians. So, what does the word "holy" mean? If you want to speak out now, you can do that. Uh, I'd accept some suggestions about what does the word holy mean. Any, any thoughts? <clears throat> Set, apart for God. Set apart for God. That's where I was going to go first. Anyone else? Any other ideas about what does the word holy mean? Pure. Pure. Okay, great. Uh, and there's more to it, but those are probably the two main things that I'm going to be looking at today. Being set apart, uh, and that is one definition of holiness, and that is uh, to be set apart or to be sanctified. We use that word sanctified. It means to be set apart for his purpose. The word saint, I believe, is, the Bible uses the word saint, right? Isn't that what the word saint means? That a saint is one who is set apart to follow Follow God, uh, but we look at God. We are to be holy as God is holy. Now that doesn't seem possible, right? We can never a- approach the perfect holiness of God. God is perfectly holy, absolutely holy. God is transcendent. And that's maybe a big word, but that that means that God is above and beyond. All of his creation. He is distinct from his creation. And it helps me to think about <clears throat> this. That, that God was before creation. Right? God was here in eternity past before creation. Before anything was created. God was. God is. God is the great I am. That means he is the eternally existent one. He exists because he is And I can't explain that. God is, he always has been, he always will be, he is eternal. Uh, God is the, he has been referred to as the uncaused cause. Of er- God is the cause of everything, but he himself does not have a cause. He just is. And I cannot, I'll never be able to fully comprehend that one. But God, that, that's all part of God, who God is, God is holy. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And to some degree, I I have to confess, in my puny brain—my brain is maybe about that size. I don't know how big your brain is, but my puny brain, uh, to to some degree, this is just incomprehensible. I cannot comprehend God. He is—he is too vast. we will never fully comprehend God. We'll have all eternity and still, there's still more to learn about God. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, God inhabits eternity and his very name is holy. So since, and we're going to take another leap here, but since God is holy, that means that he is forever and absolutely the eternal enemy of sin. God is against sin. He will will never tolerate. So we use the word pure. Holiness also means to be clean. It means to be pure. It means to be free of defilement. So now this is God, but God is calling you and I as believers to holiness. Now what all does that mean? And Maybe we sit back... Say that's impossible. I can never be that. But through the blood of Jesus Christ and through His cleansing, then we can be cleansed and, and also set free. Uh, so when God calls you and I to holiness, the idea of being set apart, we we too are to be set apart. We are to be set apart in the sense that we are set apart from the world, and we are uh, our purpose is to bring. To live our lives in bringing honor and glory to God. If you look uh, historically, uh, if you look through the Bible from the very book, uh, the beginning of the book Genesis, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, God always had a people, right? That he wanted. He wanted a people that were called out. If you look at the nation Israel; these were people that they were a nation that God separated from the rest of the world, and he wanted them to be a distinct people that, that were his people, and he wanted to use them as his people to glorify himself to the world and to draw people to himself, and he wanted a, a, a demarcation between his people and the people of the world. He wanted a distinct demarcation, and yet you know what happened to the children of Israel. Uh, God wanted them to not to intermarry and not to mingle with foreign nations, but they did, and that became their that became their downfall as they incorporated the practices of the evil nations around them. That became their downfall. But I, God still wants not a particular nation like Israel, but He wants His people. His people are all over; they are scattered throughout the whole world, everywhere. But we are still called out of the world. That doesn't mean we take them, we're we're separated from the world in the sense that we pull in from the world. But yet we are to be distinct from the world and live our lives in such a way to bring glory to the Lord. So I want to uh, be clear, I guess, here at the outset that we can never get to heaven by striving to be holy. To be more holy. To be holy demands of us a radical change from within and nothing short of the new birth experience there there 's just a, a tremendous gulf that we can 't imagine between sinful man and a holy God and the only way that gulf can be crossed is through the the, the cross of jesus christ and and through that we can that that gulf is is uh, made crossable for us that we now have access to the holy presence of God through Jesus Christ the perfect lamb of God it's not because of what we have done but all because of what Jesus Christ has done only the blood of Jesus it's only the blood of Jesus that can satisfy the justice of a holy God but I would I'm going to go on to say now that having said that that If our faith in Christ is genuine, it will result in a life of progressive holiness. We are called to holiness, and if if a person is not striving to grow in holiness, it's doubtful whether that faith is genuine. I hope you agree with that. That if we are not striving to grow in holiness, then our faith in Jesus is in question. Being holy is a lifelong process of being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it is not an experience that is, it's a one-time experience. You know, it's over and done, now, now I'm holy, right? Uh, it is a, it's a growing experience. Uh, some of you may be aware, uh, there are there are these groups that call themselves the holiness people. And I guess we should all be holiness people, right? So... We we met. I think this some of that uh, began back in the, in the sen- earlier century here, about a century ago. But uh, we met some of these people uh, when we were in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, and uh, they uh, they really stressed holiness, which is that's a good thing. But hearing their testimonies, sometimes we had a had a group visiting our church one one time, and I remember this. Uh, their testimonies were like thank god i'm saved and sanctified uh, and I, there was this uh, young fellow he was about maybe 13 14 years old and he's, that, that was his testimony thank god i'm saved and sanctified uh, well that's good but i'd like to hear you say that in about 15 years from you know if you uh, if you look at uh, what is what does it mean to be sanctified it in in their way of thinking it it is that i don't sin anymore Right, I don't. I'm not tempted with sin anymore. That's what they mean when they say that. Well, that's not. That's not the case for us, right? We will continue to struggle with the flesh and with temptation in this world as long as we are alive. And so, sanctification is a is a is a process. It's a process of looking and acting more like Jesus and and less like the world. The Scripture says in Hebrews twelve fourteen. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So how do we live a holy life? I'm going to look now. I'm getting to verses 13 and through 16. I, want to, I need to give credit to a, um, a sermon writer, um, Stephen J. Cole, for some of the help that I'm getting here with this message. But, so verse 13, uh, the first thing that we are told in verse 13 is that we are to prepare our minds for action. Your translation might say... Gird up the loins of your mind. So he's beginning with our minds. And I think that's where we need to begin. When we talk about holiness, we need to begin between the ears, right? Uh, At that time, here's this scripture that says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Uh, At that time, men wore long outer robes which would get in the way if they wanted to run or to uh, work or to fight in a battle. So, this always gives me kind of a, I don't know, it just sounds funny to me. To, you know, they have these long outer robes, so they gather them up and they stick them in a belt and then they go run or whatever. I, I don't know. My imagination gets carried away a little bit, but it just uh, doesn't fit quite. But, but the idea here is girding up the loins of your mind to be mental, mentally prepared for combat, be mentally prepared for action in the realm of holiness. So there's what he's saying is there's no place for loose and sloppy thinking in the realm of holiness. Uh, this is football season. I had to think about this. That uh, if you uh, if you play loose and sloppy football, uh, if you fumble the ball, or if you don't close the gap in the line, then you know, it does, things don't go right, right? So uh, you're, you're probably not going to win. Uh, you, you know the outcome. But the point here is that holiness begins in the minds. What we think about determines how we live. I heard this long ago. You may have heard this statement that we are not so much what we think we are, but what we think we are. That makes sense? We're not so much what we think we are, but what we think we are. That's what we become. We become what we think. So one of the most challenging, life-changing things, I believe, for us as believers, is to get a hold of this concept. Dealing with the thoughts. Dealing with our thoughts. Dealing with our sin at the thought level. Don't let it get beyond, or don't even let it get in there to begin with. That's difficult, isn't it? That's really where the battle is. If, for example, I struggle with anger sometimes, maybe you don't believe that, but uh, if, I, if I feel myself getting worked up and my neck starts to turn red or my ears turn red or whatever, uh, then watch out. You know, That's where we need to deal with it Rather than uh, deal with it at that point rather than letting it become an action rather than letting it let me say th- something at that, that I'm going to regret later on and that can do a lot of damage and can really hurt and have a lasting impact anger anger is a dangerous thing that we need to really deal with or lustful thoughts uh, that's another one isn't it big, that's a big one lustful thoughts we need to deal with that Instantly, don't flee from it mentally. Flee from it in the mind Uh, and physically. The Apostle Paul says, take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. You know, we can fool people outwardly. We can fool people, but we will never fool God. God knows our thoughts. David writes in Psalm 139, the first four verses, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know me, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. You know it completely, O Lord. Now that's, that is all encompassing, isn't it? God knows my thoughts. Wow, now that, that sets me back, right? It should set me back and make me think about what I'm thinking about. God knows, and he holds me accountable. The Bible says that he who looks with lust on a woman has already committed adultery in his heart. So it's not just the action, it's the thought. If we feed our minds on um, garbage you know, central or material garbage, materialistic garbage in the media or wherever, and we are seldom feeding our minds on this, where it's doubtful that we will become a holy person. I like to think of my mind sometimes as a room like this that has doors, and we can kind of control to some extent what comes into this, or any room, for example, so my mind is like that. I can control what comes into my mind. Well, the second thing he says here in verse 13 is to be self-controlled or to be sober. This word, uh, to be sober, literally means, like you, might, you may have guessed this, what does it mean to be sober? It means to be not drunk, right? Right? <clears throat> uh, but it also has a spiritual application. It means to be alert. It means to be uh, self-controlled. It refers to having a clear mind and good judgment. And a drunken person obviously doesn't have either one of those, right? Uh, Peter also uses this in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert." Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So think about a roaring lion. If there were a lion uh, roaming around on the loose out, outside here right now, I don't want to scare anybody, but uh, it wouldn't be wise to go out there, right? Just strolling around and whistling and you know, acting like everything is fine. We wouldn't be goofing off, right? So we would take every precaution so that we would not, he wouldn't find us and we'd become his next meal. So the point is that we live in a, we live in enemy territory. We may not be aware of it. We should be aware of it. We live in enemy ter- territory. The, 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 the devil is like this roaring lion. He's walking about looking for someone who is not alert, someone who is just living carelessly, sloppily. And uh, looking to devour us again, if we feed our minds on garbage and not on the Word of God, it's like getting drunk, and it's like staggering around when there's a lion on the loose. Maybe you're thinking now when we talk about this, all this talk about legalism or talk about holiness. Maybe this sounds legalistic. I don't know. I hope it doesn't. It, it's the call that it's God's call on our lives. But look at the next one now, the third point. The motivation for holy living is the grace of God. That is the motivation for holy living. Verse 13. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. We as Christians, we as believers, live in the future tense in some extent, don't we? We... We live for the grace of God that's going to be revealed in the future. There is grace in the past, there is grace in the present, there is also grace in the future. I use this illustration, I guess, that uh, I proposed to my wife, Elsie, uh, for marriage on her birthday on September 27, 1969. So do the math. <laughs> That's uh, maybe you don't. If your math is fuzzy, I'll just help you out. That's that'll be fifty years ago pretty soon. So uh, you may say, you know, that we don't look that old, but right? (laughs) Thank you. So (laughs) uh, I think we got married when we were about fifteen, maybe or something. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, but from then on, uh, we looked forward to marriage. We looked forward to the wedding, you know, with great anticipation. Uh, we dreamed and planned for uh, what life was going to be like after we were married. So there's, there's a correlation here that just like engage, an engaged couple is, is looking forward to, to marriage. Some of you haven't been married very long. You know what we're, what we're talking about here. Uh, we li- Christians, believers, we look forward to with expectation to one day meeting Jesus and being at the marriage supper of the lamb we're being face to face with the Lamb of God in, in the marriage that great marriage feast in heaven that 's what we 're looking forward to the grace of God that is going to be revealed that 's what we set our hopes on. so grace isn 't just for the past. When we first gave our lives to Jesus. And it isn't only for the present. uh, As we are standing in the grace of God. But it's also for the future. When grace will be brought to us. It is also for crossing over into the the next life. If you would put it that way. There is grace for. There is dying grace. And that's. You know, some of you have worked through that recently with your family. But that is ne- the next thing for, for us, that we are looking forward to leaving this world and being in the literal presence of Jesus. God has only just begun to show the riches of his grace. Again, God is infinite in wisdom. God is infinite in power, in love, in love. We will never exhaust the riches of the grace of God. We will have all eternity to explore the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2, verse 5 through 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The fourth point here is to establish a habit of obedience. Verse 14 refers to us as obedient children. So, obedient children. The, uh, the, infer- the inference is here that children obey their parents. That's implied. They should, right? That should be the case. But the implication is also that God is our Heavenly Father and the, that we obey Him. So as God's children, we should be in the habit of asking, what does God's word say? And that's that's our guide for what we follow. Our response should always be the same then, that we just obey it instantly and without question. So the fifth point now is uh, to make a break with our past lifestyle. Verse 14, Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. One of, the, one of the threats to holiness is the ruts that we had been in in our past. We get into a rut. Uh, have you, any of you ever driven on a muddy road where there are deep ruts? And you try to stay out of those. But if you, if you fall in, you, about, you almost have to have help getting out, right? Somebody has to come along and hitch up and pull you out. But you keep out of that rut by staying on the staying away from it, staying on the higher ground. But but once you're in that rut, it's very hard to get out. But that, that's kind of the way it is with our, our minds. If we begin to, if we think a certain way and we get involved in certain habits that we we form a rut. There's a rut there. In fact, I'm told that our, our brain is gray matter with a lot of crevices in it. Right? And those crevices are, be, are habits that we've been in. At least some of them are. And the more you think about something the more you do something the deeper that crevice goes. So those are ruts that we sometimes form that are hard to change. And the final uh, point here in verse 15 is to be holy in all you do. Be holy in all your conduct. So I'd like for us to Erase the distinction that we make between the, the secular and the sacred. As believers, there shouldn't be a distinction. That Some of what we do is, you know, that's secular. Some of what we do, now that's sacred. But for the believer, it all it should all be together. Our holiness should affect every area of our lives, both private and public. Our conduct should be set apart unto God. The Bible says here, be holy because I am holy. So how, how about it this morning? I'd just like to ask us to think a little bit. Is all that, that we do devoted to God? Do all of my activities, all of my priorities, how do they stack up before a holy God? Holiness is not really so much something that we possess, but something that possesses us. We are possessed by a holy God. Does this mean that you know, we're perfect? Far from it. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. But it means that we attempt to live with integrity, that when, when we blow it, not if we blow it, but when we blow it, when we fall into sin, uh, we confess it. And we seek forgiveness, so how is that working in, in my life and, and, and in yours? Uh, if, if, uh, if we could somehow all of us if we could somehow put our our thoughts this right now put our thoughts up on the screen, how would that how would that go? <laughs> Are you okay with that? Put your thoughts up on the screen right now or, or your lifestyle for everyone to see uh, Far more importantly, am I okay with the fact that God knows my thoughts? He knows the intents of my heart. Now, right now, and any time, throughout the week, throughout all my life, he knows, he knows me thoroughly. Maybe all this sounds, wow, that's just completely unattainable. I can't do that. And if my focus is on myself then it is unattainable. I can't do this in myself. But if my focus is on, on God, on His Word, and knowing Him better, growing in the knowledge of God, growing in the knowledge of God has a, just has a transforming effect on my, on my life. The more I get to know Him, the more I want to be like Him. But we can never be as holy as God is holy. Absolute holiness belongs to God alone. But we can grow in personal holiness the more we come to know and and to love him. You think about there's no other attribute of God that is stated to the third degree. You know what I mean by that? Uh, The Bible doesn't say God is eternal, eternal, eternal. It doesn't say he's love, love, love. Or it doesn't say that he is mercy, mercy, mercy. But it does say God is holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God of hosts? The whole earth is full of His glory. Sometimes I, I just feel like I say this for myself. We are too flippant in our in our approach to God. I think we're too flippant in our knowledge of of Him. John MacArthur uh, tells about a charismatic. I don't say this critically to the in that way, but uh, he tells about a charismatic pastor who told him about that uh, sometimes in the morning when he's shaving, Jesus comes into his bathroom and puts his arm around him and they talk together. And I, I kind of love John's response, incredulous response. He says, and you keep on shaving? That's, uh, I, you know, we, I understand this thing that uh, Jesus is our friend, right? We want, and he is our friend. And he does put his arm around us. But I also think there's this aspect that in the Bible, when someone gets a glimpse of Jesus or Christ in his resurrected glory, that person falls on their face uh, before the Lord. And that's the thing, that's the aspect that I think sometimes is, is missing. Do we revere him for who he is? I you know we need to revel in the amazing grace of God that saved us through the blood of Jesus through his cross and he invites us I'm so glad that he invites us to come into his holy presence with confidence I don't know where you find yourself this morning with regards to God's call to holiness maybe God is calling someone here to repent just repent and of your sin and put your trust in jesus as savior and lord there may be others today who struggle with pretending just pretending to be outwardly to be a christian but inwardly you know you're not living your life in holiness you know that god knows it we're not dealing with sin at the thought level And if that's the case, then it's only really a matter of time until, you know, we can cover it up so long, but after time, we will fall outwardly as well. Well, the solution, regardless of where we're at this morning, the solution is the same for all of us, and that is to turn to God in repentance and put our faith in him and ask him to, to cleanse us. Believe in him for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. That was shed for us. Isaiah 57 verse 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever. Whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. But also with him. Who is contrite and lowly in spirit. So to revive the spirit of the lowly. And to revive the heart of the contrite. There's a place next to the heart of God. For those who come to him in repentance. That's good news. I love that. I really love that. Even though God is perfectly holy and exalted, he dwells with those who are humble in spirit and cast their selves before him. So that's where I want to be. I trust that's where you want to be. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we want to worship you as a holy God. Can we come to you confessing that A lot of times our our lives, our thoughts do not really express that holiness that you desire from us. I pray that your spirit would just move upon our hearts today and move upon my heart to show me those things that I need to repent of and give to you and allow you to to do the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would just uh, touch each heart today and just help us in our walk with you. So we look forward to that time that we will be in your literal presence. Help us to fix our eyes on that goal and and to uh, prepare for that day. Be with with us now as we leave today and uh, bless our day uh, as well. In Jesus' name, amen.